Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Hello, welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode 15. Yahoo. You are here with Paul Spain. <laughs> you got Bradley Burrows without the cold this week. Yeah. Without the Darth Vader voice. Yes. And Skip Parker with no Darth Vader voice. No. But a new phone. A new phone. We'll talk about it later? Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Excellent. Well, let's get into it. We've got uh, we've got a bit, a bit to get through tonight. Uh, we've had, uh, we did we did have a guest lined up um, who we'll tell you about next week because uh, He'll be on he, wasn't, week? he wasn't well enough to come on this week. He had the flu that I had, I think. And Real. we have another guest, who, guest um, a Kiwi who is... Um, Involved with a product launch in the US, who has been embargoed and told he's not allowed to talk about it uh, up until the launch. That takes place tomorrow, so uh, we will lock him in for uh, for next week's episode as well. If we can squeeze that in, you're not going to spill the beans accidentally by any chance. You could you could say it, and we could post the podcast tomorrow. Well, um, no, there's not, there's nothing too confidential in terms of what I mean. There's some info that we can talk about for now. And uh, and we'll get the full uh, full details plugged in next week. So uh, okay. we've got that. Um, now we're gonna we're gonna chat again a little bit about uh, you know some further follow up from last week's huge news, the uh, Apple Worldwide Developers Conference, E3. Um, so we're gonna ch- yeah we'll chat chat through a, a little bit more detail about some of those discussions from last week and some feedback that uh, that that's been floating around the net. Uh, we'll chat about uh, the Codemasters website, Apple's uh, new <laughs> iCloud service, and um, we'll dive into some other Apple news. We have a chat about uh, some news from Oracle, and uh, that'll be us. Then we'll go through into uh, into a bit of wrap up and uh, and and chat about some new bits and pieces in terms of uh, hardware and software. Yes, please. So that's us. Let's uh, let's jump in there, guys. So, following the uh, the announcement at E three last week. Yes. What uh, what are the sort of what are the highlights from? Um, from 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 our discussions because we've been talking about this over the last few days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what are your thoughts there, Brad? So the Connect stuff was cool. I mean, Skip and I had a conversation earlier about this, and you know they they didn't launch any new hardware, but they did some major updates to the applications, the software, the Connect environment, and really the whole bringing together. I think this concept of where Windows 8 is going to be in the future, but also how it looks and, and flows. Um, so for me, that was kind of that was really cool to see some of the games. I think one of the big things that Connect's been lacking is that platform, is yeah. the is the games, and seeing EA on board is always a good sign that you're going to have some a good ecosystem there. Yep. Well, they're um, kind of the, they're the, they're really the yeah the benchmark. The, they're, they're the they're the big player yeah. as far as the, in the games market, yeah. right? And to have them launching games for Xbox Connect that are you know a step up from the the. I guess the sort of um, family games we've got at the moment yep. on the, in the Connect environment, the Wii we compete games. You know, we're now, you know, we're starting to see those games that come through that enter into the true sort of, yeah, the you know, the real gaming enthusiast type space, right? Yeah, and, and the other the other two key things for me was um, one was the voice control. So now you can completely control your television environment with your voice. Um, 
it has the wife effect, as we've all sort of conned it now, which is your wife can now control the TV. So to any females listening, I do apologize for that comment. But look, and overall, that's really, really cool. And the other thing, well, the other two big things, obviously, is the search integration now and also the YouTube integration. And we covered it a little bit last week, but reading it now, and I've actually seen a little bit of video action of how it all works. Um, this this is nice. It's a really complete package now. It's not a gaming console anymore. It is what they've always wanted, which is a media hub. Um, and seeing with the Netflix article that we're going to hopefully publish later tonight, we're just finishing it off now, I, I think you can get that rich user experience. So from the Microsoft world, that was that was the big ones. Um, the other, I think the real hardware thing that stole the show was Nintendo. Yep. yep. Um, there's seven, I think it's a 7-inch uh, little tablet-based Nintendo device with all the Nintendo controls, which allows you to use the uh, like a tablet-like device to control your games and, and have some interaction with it. You can still play the games up on the TV like you traditionally do, but then to be able to, you know, um, your partner, your kids want to watch Happy Feet or something on, on the TV, suddenly you could the, the game switches over to the little console you've got in front of you and you can keep, keep playing it, and then you can switch it back again to the major TV. It's a, gra- it's a great concept, isn't it? Yeah, and I very think cool. It's great to see the, this fresh new thinking that we're, uh, that we're seeing, and I guess across all technology platforms at the moment, there is just so much, you know, innovation and, and competition. It's all good. Um, and yeah, that's definitely one of one of the highlights. Yeah. I think we want to get the Nintendo guys back on uh, back on the NZ Tech post- podcast again. Yes, uh, as that comes a little bit closer to launch, hear a little bit more of their comments about it uh, here here at Direct. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a working unit to play with as well. And and look, I mean, hint, 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 yes, hint, please, hint. Nintendo. But look, I mean, I look at it thinking, well, you know, you're playing a driving game, so you got your main, you got the driving game up on the screen. Imagine on your little console having the tra- uh, the track on in front of you on the little tablet device, and being able to use that as your steering wheel type thing. So it's got some neat, neat things. That it, again, even if it's not 100 percent of what we're expecting, at least there's some innovation going into there. Yeah, but the thing that Nintendo do very well is that um, Xbox and PlayStation have the big console market really sewn up. It's going to be hard for anyone to break into that. Nintendo have slipped into the cut price, genuinely sort of the, I don't know if you call it the cheap end of the gaming market, but everyone who has an Xbox 360 or a PlayStation 3, there's a lot of people that would actually buy a Wii as well. So Nintendo totally understand that market space and to stay well out of the way of the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 and do exceptionally well out of it. Yeah, and, and it's a cool piece of kit. It's a re- I mean, I love the Wii. The Wii... Well, and, it, yeah, and it's fantastic. outsold the, um, you know, the PS, PS3 and the and the Xbox as well, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I mean, on a global basis. 100 million sure Wiis, here. 100 million Wiis, 65 million... Xboxes and 55 million PS3s. I never thought I'd hear you say 100 million Wii's. 100 million Wii's. <laughs> I was trying to be good then. But no, I mean, the, the, the con, I mean, for the last five months in the US market, the Xbox has been leading the, sh- the charge, if you like. But, you know, the Wii's been out a lot longer, but they've got a great market share. I think it's like anything knows, and we'll get into this bit with the Apple discussion, is that they had a dominant market position, and it's been sliding. Yeah. But I think this will, they've got a, a segment of the market that they like to play with, and they do it brilliantly well they really do and I like to see them that now playing in that market space and like you said not competing in the connect and the, the move space but actually just really just playing what their strengths are it's yeah. very, very cool what about you Skip uh, look I'm still completely blown away by the um, the Xbox Connect demonstration I just think that is it, it's great that Microsoft can release a product and then a year later continue to 
innovate within that product without us having to go and buy another add-on or a plug-in or a whatever. That's I mean, that that, that seems just, to be the you know the way the tides have turned though, isn't it? When we when we look across uh, consumer devices. I mean, Microsoft have certainly led a charge on the Xbox front with that, with these new dashboard updates every year. Uh, but we've also seen that with the you know, iPhones, iPads, um, yep. you know, various media players and so on, where you've got these updates coming through. And I think it, it's, it's an expectation now. You know, you don't buy a device and think, this is it for the life of the device. You know that and you expect. No, so, you expect. You, yeah. We expect it now. If I, if I, buy a new, if I bought a new Samsung Galaxy... I expect an update, and just I reckon Google's actually led the way personally. I think with their release cycle that they've been doing with their with the Google Chrome browsers, what is it, every six weeks? Now they've really pushed the market to do these quick release, good or bad. That's another discussion, mm. but they've actually got into this release cycle where they are pushing the market along. I think it's great. Yep, uh, there were quite a few games that were coming out that I was quite excited about. Uh, Modern Warfare Three, which was the launch, actually the initial game that Connect opened up their uh, little video. Uh, or their big demonstration with, uh, with Robert Boland from, I think it's still Infinity Ward, uh, playing Modern Warfare 3. And that that is a huge, huge game. So That was cool. That is going to be pretty cool. Um, there is, uh, of course, Infamous 2 that's coming out from PlayStation, and that is going to be another exceptionally good title as well. And I guess the good thing about it is that um, Sony is still picking it, continuing the development of games. They're not Nothing's been held up with this uh, their slight breach issue. So that's great for consumers at the moment, I think. <laughs> it's, it's good. They needed to keep that yeah, going. Yeah, it's actually sort of taking a little bit of focus off, but in the meantime, behind the scenes, they've been working away just, just as hard as ever. And right? delivering some excellent, excellent gaming titles. So um, I, I thought... E3 just it just was a good look for the gaming industry. It yeah. just this was a this was a year of people uh, consolidating the best out of their hardware. I mean, Nintendo was obviously the the fresh new bod to the table. So one one comment on Nintendo we talked about this I think briefly offline last week. So when Nintendo did their main keynote, they showed a whole lot of game videos. They used Xbox and PS3s to actually stream those videos. They didn't actually use the new Wii console. <laughs> and then afterwards, when they were in the sort of press briefing with the um, head of Nintendo, he accidentally let that slip that, oh, these videos you saw were from the games running on an Xbox and a PlayStation. Now, while that may not sound bad, it's just not a good look to have your keynote and then actually say we use the, de- competitor's demo pro- and the competitor's yeah. product. I guess it's because that, it's the same that product is, is still quite a way off isn't it so they're, they're not they're not close enough to be able to actually show the real demos because they haven't actually got product um the software for it then don't show it don't it'd be, it'd be like imagine okay imagine steve jobs going up on stage showing a video of a new platform and and at the end of it actually going oh and that was launched on a windows 7 device <laughs> it would just be bad it's just not going to happen so i think they should have been maybe not done that demo or not shown that video if you're going to show it on another platform or, or not don't mention it you know, that was the big problem, I think. Yeah, Apple would never do that. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, just I, I just think it's a bad look for them. You know, a really bad look. But they, other than that, I think Nintendo were were the standout. Um, the Microsoft stuff was just refreshing. Sony, they've got their new handheld. We haven't had a good chance to have a play with it. Hopefully, we'll get them in the studio in a few weeks and we can have a go of it. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward to seeing that one definitely. Um, it's again, it's good to see um, you know these regular updates, even if it is new hardware and so on coming to the table. Cool. Now, we had a question from uh, one of our listeners. This came in via our Facebook page. And if you've got um, you know, questions and so on, feel free to uh, jump in there. That's facebook.com slash Podcast. The question that came in this week was, do I need antivirus software on my iPad? 
What's uh, what's the the opinions here, guys? Is there any antivirus software available for the iPad for starters? Well, I think there? I think there's two parts to your question. Do you need an antivirus? Yes. I think I look. I know. I know that all the people online are going to be going. It's a Mac. You don't need any device, whether it's Google, Microsoft, whatever. Mac have had malware last week, and you can argue whether it was true malware or not. Microsoft have a history of malware and viruses. Google have antivirus on their phone on their phones now because they know that it's becoming a, a target point. Um, I don't know if you can get it. We'd have to have a look in the marketplace, and I can do that after the show for them. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we've seen any uh, AV software out yet for um, for iOS or for Windows Phone Seven. No, not yet. Not for no, Windows Phone Seven. Those two platforms. The thing to bear in mind is these platforms are more locked down than the traditional platforms. But if we have a look. At Android, as we've discussed in the past, that has been targeted on a number of occasions, and there is malware that's ended up on you know on people's handsets. So it does highlight that a genuine risk does exist. So, so one key thing is that a um, AV Labs did a controlled security experiment on all the three major platforms, and all three platforms they were able to put a virus on there and show that a virus could exist and propagate. Um, it was getting it on there was the problem, but once it was on there, they showed that it could actually propagate out to a network. So it, I thought I can see antivirus happening or some service coming in that's going to do it. In you the know, future. you can jailbreak your iDevices, your iPad iPhones, uh, older OSs, using a web page. You Correct. just go to the web page and do it that way. So, yeah. I mean, that, that, that definitely means the devices are at risk, doesn't it? Well, yeah, no, that, I mean, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good point. There's a chance for something to get on. Now, yeah. my, my pick would be for the Mac people is to uh, look at uh, Nod32 for your uh, desktop type environment because I think that's a really good product. But um, there's a company called Intego, I-N-T-E-G-O, and they do Mac security type stuff and I understand that they are working on or already beta testing or something like that a uh, iPad friendly antivirus package so um, it's probably worth keeping an eye on those guys but I mean exactly at the end of the day if you are connecting to the internet with a device the chances are it's going to have some sort of vulnerability or there will be some way it's going to trick you into a vulnerability situation so Apple devices, if you total them up, equal you know, 55, 60 million devices in the world, right? They've got about 7 to 9% market share globally. Yep. As they get more and more popular, as they are, they're going to become a bigger target. PCs are 500 million devices or 450, depending on which stat you look at. You know, they've got, so they've been around a lot longer and is in the, it's a bigger market share. Yeah. Apple is so popular at the moment. Hackers are starting to get, oh, that's a good one. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about this later around the cloud stuff as well. We're going to have a bit of a discussion around that, around antivirus for cloud. Yep. So, But personally, if it was available, yes, on my iPad I would. I just think anything where I'm logging into a secure site like my banking yeah. or, or anything like that, any device, I don't care what the platform is, I, I want to be safe and secure or I don't want to be logging into um, sites that I really want. Yeah, if they get compromised, that, that stuff's going to get stolen, personally. It's interesting. I've, I had a look online um, about this the other day, and I've uh, I've just done a similar search again now and brought up the info, and, the, and there's comments like, Apple took the decision to sandbox the apps on the iPad, basically saying it's absolutely impossible for them to get a virus. But uh, as we as we well know, it's... Um, that that's not the case because no one's uh, no one's perfect at securing their their systems and um, in fact the 
the iPad platform and, and the iPhone are, are some of the easiest to uh, break into or certainly have been traditionally. Well, yeah, the, so. yeah, by breaking in, we don't mean virus, we mean the jailbreak facility. So, and as Skip mentioned, I mean, I, look, you can do an Apple TV device as well, which is a flavor of iOS on there. And, you know, you can, you can jailbreak your Apple TV devices and put on Hulu and Netflix and other applications. So I think Skip's right. If you can jailbreak it, which is going in and, and, and what they call rooting the system, basically getting via the root system, then, yeah, I think you do need to look at it somehow, personally. Mm, absolutely. I hope that answers your question. And like I said, all the fanboys for all the different platforms, we're not criticizing your platform. We're just saying it's better to be safe than sorry. No, we're saying it's really crap. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> here's no. me trying to be nice tonight and getting I, told off all the I'm time. I'm just trying to be funny, man. We, I mean, we here all of us um, are are um, users of multiple platforms and you know we know that there are there are pros and cons across all of them and you know yeah. but security yeah. wise you know I think we all agree that every platform you know has a has a risk and it makes sense to try and keep those um, those secure. Yeah, look, so. we've got an Android phone sitting in front of us, we've got Windows laptops, we've got iPads sitting around the office here. So yeah, we've got one of everything pretty much at the moment, yeah. as usual. So uh, yeah, no wonder the power bill's so high in this place. <laughs> and the air conditioning goes on like crazy. <laughs> All right, now um, we talked a little bit about E3, Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, WWDC. Sounds like a wrestling match to me. <laughs> it does a bit. Just add another W in there and. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesse Ventura and all of the old school wrestlers. Uh, no, I'm not sure that they turn up. I tell you what, Steve Jobs is pretty invincible, though, really. I think mean, that guy's incredible. Look, he's really sick, and we hope he gets well. I mean, he looks so ill. Yeah. You know, he was only on stage, for, I think, for seven and a half minutes in total, I think. They, yeah, they, I mean, they he, announced, he announced the iCloud stuff, and but it, it, hopefully the thing that I get out of that is that there is some good succession planning happening in Apple. Um, because, I mean, traditionally when Apple uh, disappear off the, um, uh, well, when Steve Jobs disappears off for a leave or whatever, Apple always seems to tumble. And uh, hopefully historic history won't repeat itself. No. We, so. we, look, I mean, the good thing about, about having your Steve Jobs is, is that they've pushed the competition. Competition is great for everyone else because we do get this market, this IT market, pushing along like crazy, and, and Apple's managed to do that. For me, the thing with WWDC this year was it was the first time in about five years where, they, oh, like I said last week, they haven't actually released anything. They've announced stuff. Um, and it was interesting. Paul and I were having a heated discussion this <laughs> afternoon in the coffee house around, you know, if you look at, I mean, they've got 250 new features. That's great for the iOS phone. But out of the top 10 features... Wasn't it 500? Supposed to be 500? That was... Oh, was it 500 or 250? I no, thought it was 500 or something ridiculous. Two, like that. It, was, it was 250. There, there were... Uh, there were the new features announced for OSX Lion. Yep. Um, and there were the new features announced for um, for iPad for OSX Lion. I think it was two hundred and uh, two hundred and fifty uh, new features for iOS. I think it was two hundred new features. Okay. okay. Yeah. But my bad. The, the, key, the key thing that I think Paul and I were talking about it was now. In the past, Apple's led the way with its innovation, and a lot of the features that we've seen now from the iOS 5, Android, and Windows Phone 7 have actually had those already. Um, and I'm thinking Twitter integration, and I'm thinking the classic one, you know, the Windows Phone 7 was one of the big demos when it first came out was, you can pull it out of your pocket, you can just click the camera button and it activates. 
Apple announced bypasses that, all the security, all of those things, and yeah, does it just yeah. does it. And now iPhone does exactly the same thing, and they touted that as a as a revolutionary feature. But it's great that people are actually mimicking because it means that the market is pushing them along. But it's also interesting dynamic to actually see Apple. Apple in the past have actually normally sat back a little bit, grabbed the best bits from everything, and then pulled together as a really user-friendly package. And you know that, that's what they do really well. And we can talk about the iCloud in a, in a minute. But iOS five for me was like I looked, I went, yeah, I didn't see anything new. I didn't see anything that I went, wow, that's they've really done a really neat feature that is just they've seemed to have gone. All the other platforms are doing that. We need to have that feature as well. From what we've seen so far, I, I don't think as a user that bothers me at all because. Hey, iOS is a great platform. The iPad, iPhone, hey, these are great devices, great software. And as long as they do keep innovating and keep up with the play, so as long as they're keeping in with the new features that are coming through, that's that's great. They've done a lot of innovation over, over previous years in terms of inventing new things that others haven't had. Uh, and you know a lot of that's obviously been around usability and so on. Um, but as long as they keep up with the play, then it's going to, you know, that's going to that's going to keep them in the game. But possibly longer term is where their risk is. If you know Apple has such a strong brand, but it is a premium priced product. So if they only continue to keep up with everyone else and they don't stay ahead, then yep. that will that will risk um, you know their opportunity to you know to sell a lot more product than than anyone else. And you know part of the Apple thing is is we look forward to seeing Steve Jobs get up on stage and tell us about all these fancy new things. That Apple have invented and that, go that well. Nobody we, we, else has, right? We do we, go well when he does it. We're like, yeah. oh my goodness, they've just we, they've done we, it again. We enjoy that stuff and we yeah. look forward to it, right? And I think you know uh, a lot of Apple followers, you know, would say that they you know they enjoy all those new things coming coming through. So you know, if we haven't had a whole lot this year, I think hey, we'll, we will be expecting uh, we'll be expecting a little bit more next time around. And who knows what else they've got up there up their sleeves to you know oh, yeah, to uh, to announce over over the next sort of six to twelve months. Yeah, and the, and the Apple forums were, were up and arms. I think I was on about 10 different forums today just reading the feedback and and it, and it was interesting to see that they, people the expect, Apple's built up this expectation now that every Apple conference they're going to have something revolutionary. Fair enough, they can't hold it every time they can do that but they didn't actually announce anything that was going to be available and on Monday we're going to have iOS 5 delivered to your iPad. It was in the fall which was just something very different for them and the way they spoke and the language about it and yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a different feel from the from watching the event. I've watched it twice now, and it's going to be great because, like you said, they are c- catching up a little bit on some features. Maybe there's some other stuff that we they haven't announced yet. When it comes out, we're going to go, ah, right, that all makes sense. But um, yeah, it was inter- it was an interesting event, and uh, yeah, just something's yeah. Let's do iCloud. I like the. Um the way that they've they've pushed at an operating system level in um, in Lion this uh, this ability for your documents to sort of be um, auto saved and you know just um, uh, you know minimise those issues when your system gets sort of shut down and restarted that you can come back in open up your apps your you know your documents and so on are, are reopened I thought that was good it's not a million miles away from what other people have done already um, but you know that's one one of those things that um, that I think is a really cool feature. So one quick thing I've also read about today was um, we're all aware of the Chrome um, Netbooks Notebooks going to be coming out, which is a browser-based thing. Um, they have they've discovered in the beta version or the developer version of um, of the Lion OS that you can boot into a browser. 
Straight into a browser, straight, that's right. Yeah, yeah so straight you into bypass a the core sort of operating Correct. system and you just you boot the machine just as a browser, so right? So a netbook-type equivalent. So they're all wondering whether that's going to be a Chrome compete coming moving forward as well. So that's something that we're going to keep a watch on as well. And second quick thing is that we have just searched the iPad um, store and you can get McAfee Global Threat Intelligence for mobile devices. It's not price. antivirus software. It's though. not antivirus? No, I think oh, okay. it, just, it just gives you information on their uh, oh, uh, just, the just and so on that are out there. It so, just tells uh, you about the yeah. viruses that are affecting your device. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, no, good good stuff. So, oh, iCloud. Oh, sorry, did you want to say something about the, the WWDC thing, Skip? No. You're all right? No, no. no, I mean, it was interesting watching that event because uh, the audience reaction wasn't as... Uh, I mean, they were very excited about Steve being back um, on stage. They weren't overly excited through various different aspects of the announcement, though. Um, you could see some people getting very excited and some people just sitting there like they were bored out of their trees. So um, I think probably the biggest uh, reaction from the crowd was the fact that um, iOS is available across the air. You know, you can do yep. things across the air. And that gained, I think, the most uh, interesting response. And then iCloud. And this is where Steve stepped back up and announced this. And I thought, nah, you know, in second thoughts, looking through this, this is looking pretty good. And... And Apple are throwing the kitchen sink at this puppy. I mean, they are building massive, massive data centers. So it's a big one. Investment. One massive data center, I think, isn't it? Yes, isn't one. It? It's yeah. one. I think it's going to be doing three, is what I what I okay. heard. Up to three. I mean, I've seen, a photo, I've seen a photo of one of them. Yeah, yeah the um, one in Daytona or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, got that, some other ones on on the go as well. Yeah. Well, I imagine it looks huge. The um, <laughs> the, the, the photos I saw. It's. Um, well, let's just say I wouldn't be disappointed if I had that in my backyard. I don't know what to do with it, but um, I mean, Small it was powers. yeah, and yeah. So I mean, that's that's great that they're actually throwing that investment. It uh, makes you wonder how they were doing mobile me beforehand. Well, mobile me has been, I think, even the Apple guys have said, yeah, a bit of a flop. Really, um, it was an interesting service, but this is what mobile me should have been. Um, so the interesting things about the iCloud stuff, Apple's so done. Apple's, what is what is it? What okay. is iCloud? What's in what what's in there? What does it do for you? It's a, I'm looking at it. I've got to stop looking at it from the Windows world. Um, it's a, allows you to have all your data, email contacts, documents, um, and eventually your music your and everything music, else. Right? Music stored up, online, stored up in the cloud. It does not do streaming. So the miss, I had a bit of a rant on Twitter the other week. TV3 and the other ones were saying, oh, it's a streaming service. It is not a streaming service. It allows you to store everything there. Where the music industry is up in arms is that what it does is when you initially get onto iCloud, it looks at your existing iTunes collection and copies that into the cloud or replicates that. So if you've got, you've been a naughty boy or girl and put pirated music on there, it'll automatically, free of charge, copy your pirated music to a nice, safe, secure, legitimate site. <laughs> and not only does it does it put a copy of it there in the in the online or cloud storage, it gives you the best quality Correct. of that music available. So if you've got a, you know, a, a dodgy copy that's a little bit rough around the edges and yep. doesn't sound so good that that uh, that you got from somewhere it gives you a real premium copy um so what you're saying it? to me is for 25 dollars a month us yes i'm going to be able to take my 8,000 pirated cds and legitimize the whole lot yep 20 gig in the, in the cloud i can understand how that would upset people yeah and look, the other the other two key points and and the first one's an interesting one is that they've they've actually come out and said windows xp users because they're not one of the key things steve said was this is a user-based system it's not just for mac users so it's windows android everyone else but windows xp is not supported 
at what? all. Yep. So they've actually, uh, and you know, I'm glad about this personally. It's great. So, um, well, nobody should not, support XP anymore because well, it's no, such, a, such it. an old operating system. Yeah, but it's so reliable. <laughs> no comment. But um, no, look, I, I think I, I think so. That was interesting. So they've come out and announced that. Now the other one that's been going around, and we've had to verify this quite heavily before we can sort of talk about this on show was. Someone's actually done some sniffing of a trial version of iCloud, and they've sniffed the tra- traffic of iCloud users, and it goes. This is, this is getting pretty technical it is. here, Brad. I know, sorry, but it goes through Microsoft's Azure service and Amazon's <laughs> cloud service, and what it does is it uses um, the authentication. So the thing that validates who you are, it actually uses some of the services hosted on these other what I would call competing platforms. Well, maybe not competing, but they're using these other services to bring together some of the iCloud stuff. Now, there's lots of conjecture on the internet at the moment, but from the five different sources that I've read and that I can rely on, they've actually said, no, look, they are using some of it at the moment. So it's interesting that they are buying some of these services from Azure, which is Microsoft platform, and Amazon, which I would say is a direct compete. Azure is not a compete against the full Apple stack, but... Are they, are they actually buying directly from them, or are they just basically outsourcing their cloud-type solution to another party? Yeah, that's and that fair other party's it. probably using Amazon and Azure. I, I, that we don't know. Apple and, haven't ever commented. So, and I guess the other question is: Do you, if you're working on a global positioning product, a product that's available yep. everywhere, if you go to a third party to actually manage that, then surely in some parts of the globe. Azure is going to be better represented than Amazon, and Akamai is going to be better represented over here. So I'm just wondering if the whole package deal is from one part of the globe, it seems to be run from Azure because, well, quite frankly, that's the only decent service that's available in that part of the globe. Considering how tight Apple normally are on on the way they even manufacture their hardware, I'm I'm surprised that they wouldn't have checked that out with their third parties, but what you've said makes 100% of sense. I just, just, it's a bit surprising that they wouldn't have actually gone through and looked at the whole service. Yeah, end it's to end. hard to know how they put it together. It I is. guess at the end of the day, as end users, nobody probably, you know, is too bothered as long as the service works well and and is reliable. Yeah, and you know, I guess that that's possibly part of uh, part of how they've done it. They've spread it around amongst a few providers. Maybe if uh, if one drops out, another one can pick it up. We don't really know those facts just yet. It's far too early to yeah. tell. I, but I, it will be interesting. You know, let's say there was another outage. Uh, you know, as as Amazon had their E3, uh, EC3 uh, outage, you know, in the last couple of months, if there was another one of those, would it affect it? What yeah. would happen if there was an Azure outage? You know, what would be impacted? It would be very interesting to see. My money's on the idea that they've outsourced this whole cloud stuff. Basically, have they learned the lesson that they're not a cloud company? They deal in operating systems and hardware and platforms in that space. Yeah. And they've said, right, mobile me, we tried to do it, wasn't great. We're going to throw it to someone else. We've actually outsourced probably a separate organization that's tied into Apple. I'm just picking that could well be. Yeah, it makes sense. It does. But, but again, Apple have done what they do really well. They've looked at how, like you could, if, if you're a Windows user right now, you could novel together an exact replica of iCloud. Exact, yep. But you have to pull in so many different services from Google and Microsoft right. and everything else. Apple have just brought this together in one nice, easy consumer product. And again, it's what they do so, so well. And I, I, I want to have a go of it because like you said, you know, if you can store all the stuff in the cloud and it's simple and it's clean and it's cross-platform, it's going to be good. You know, it was stuff that I wished my Mac devices, when I had them, did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, a lot of people are very excited about that. I think it's a great, um, great space for them to be in. So, 
Um, one other little thing also is the ISO 5 operating system um, has already been hacked and, and broken into. Yes, I saw that, yeah. So uh, some young kid, 15-year-old from Brazil, I think he was, uh, within 24 hours had worked out how he had a developer version of ISO 5 on his iPhone. Um, and worked out how you can actually uh, crack it and get into it and get it all opened and exposed. He had he had gone to Apple and said, "This is what you can do. I'm giving you a heads up." Apple never responded, so he went public with the information. So, um, if you do have a developer version of ISO five and you want to have a decent play with it, just do a search iOS iOS five. There we go. That's my one for the night already. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've talked about malware as well. But no, I didn't. I was slip. careful tonight. I got feedback <laughs> on that one. But yeah, so that one's out there as well. Um, we might try and put that up on the podcast as Sorry, well. So we're not laughing at you, Brad. We're laughing with you. Yeah, thank you. You'll keep. Uh, Don't now, touch anything. Now, interesting other um, Apple and Nokia-related news that uh, this that's just come to hand. Um, Nokia had, um, had, had a lawsuit against Apple that initially got uh, filed in 2009. Um, you know, due to them uh, believing Apple were infringing on a number of their patents. And it's just been announced that uh, Apple have signed a deal now to uh, to license uh, a bunch of patents off, uh, off Nokia. Do they say how much for or not? I'm not seeing any numbers yet, but uh, possibly that'll come out over the next few days. But Lots of zeros. I would imagine if it's taken two years to get there, that's because we're talking some pretty significant mm. dollars. So, you know, this certainly will, you know, I'd be surprised if it was less than $100 million. Uh, I, w- I would imagine... Just going to throw a number out there. <laughs> I, would, I, I mean, just from some of these other um, patent cases we've seen recently, um, I would expect it to be up in that sort of level, but I guess we'll wait and see if there's any, yeah. any real announcements. Uh, what's the, Now, there was some news in the last week around uh, Microsoft who had been going backwards and forwards in, in court probably for a year or two as well. Yeah, two years now. Um, on um, one of the, I guess, smaller features of Office, which I think they've worked around now, where they apparently um, had infringed on someone else's patent. Correct. And the story is that it's uh, $240 billion Million, million. Sorry, two. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We've got one for tonight. Cool. All right, all right. Um, you can make fun of me for that yeah. one. So nearly a quarter of a billion do US you, dollars. Do you write the checks for the company? <laughs> <laughs> Man, imagine that. Um, no. Bill, Bill, I wonder if uh, no, even Bill Gates couldn't afford to fill out a check for $240 billion, No. So basically what it was, in, in Office 2007, there was a, a patent infringement that uh, was taken against Microsoft. Um, it was removed for Office 2010. But they obviously sold quite a few copies of Office 2007 at the time, and this company in Canada has been awarded uh, two, at least $290 million in damages and other fees. And this has gone right up to the Supreme Court, so there's, I don't think they can really go much higher. I think Microsoft is going to have to suck it up, pay them out, and... Uh, not do that again. And it was for something that was reasonably, you know, obscure. Obviously, was this the uh, the word document say XML format or something like that? Yeah, Correct. it was something yeah. like that. Just seems like you know crazy money. But I mean, that seems to be reasonably common in the space. We see some huge numbers bounced around for often things that just seem obvious. And I think that's that's one of the one of the reasons why uh, why why people are, are challenging the way the whole patent uh, the whole patent system works in the US. And, and possibly in other countries, because you can come up with something that you know is obvious, but you you patent it before somebody else, yeah. 
and you know we could probably sit down and think of something that technology is going to be able to do in 20 years uh, when the when all the bits and pieces sort of line up to be able to do that you patent it and uh, you know you get it you get a big payout when that comes around so no, I to go back in time and patent things like touch UIs and everything oh. but they'll just get the manufactured in China where they don't believe in patents there goes our Chinese audience. Thing. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks. They're, all, Skip. That's they're awesome. all nodding with me. They can go down the road and get a cheaper version of everything anyway. Um, but yeah, um, so Codemasters. Oh. Let's talk about them because I actually have a little interesting story about Codemasters. So you guys heard what happened with Codemasters? This is the this is the hacking story of the week, isn't it? The big security <laughs> breach, and we, we uh, seem to another be one. we seem to be hack. getting them. Just, you know, just about every week there's something new. In fact, I think. There've probably been more, and and yeah, there've been more this year than probably in the last ten years. Certainly, in terms of what's been published, and I think that's because it's now. Uh, I think it's now very clear to organisations with all the current um, laws in place around the world that if there are breaches of this nature, uh, that they do have to release the information. So tell us a little bit about that one, uh, Brad. So Codemasters is obviously a developer of some really, really amazing games out in the industry. I can't remember the name. There's a rugby game and what else? Give me something. They've, cool. done, um, they've done the V8 supercar type games as yeah. well. Uh, the tour, Touring Champions. Yeah. So, so they got, they got, their website got hacked and um, it was 1 million username, passwords and credit card details got exposed and actually taken off the site. Now, the interesting thing about this was it only went public early, early New Zealand time today. Now, a friend of mine on Friday actually got an email from obviously the people that have stolen this information saying, oh, your information's been compromised. So this actually all happened last Friday. So Codemasters have actually known about this for a little while before they've gone out to the media and, and actually put, made it very public, which makes it interesting that what what is the right amount of time to wait? In such a public thing like this, should you come out str- within 24 hours and say, look, something's happened? Because they actually asked for my friend's credit card details and they, they wanted everything to go. And it was like, hold on, what, what's going on here? He didn't know what had happened. Now with the story coming out today, he's like, this all makes sense, but they've obviously known about it for a few, you know, three or four days. So, what do you guys think? Should they come out within twenty four hours, or? Oh, I think they might need some time to to investigate and, and get a handle so they can actually report something clear. The other information I heard is it's not just Codemasters uh, that have been hacked; it's it's three big game vendors. So it's also Epic uh, and another one called uh, Bethesda. Um, so there's there's a you know this isn't just one company that's been hacked. Uh, maybe what what's happened with Codemasters is a lot worse than the other ones. I'm not too sure, uh, but there's a fair bit of info starting to float around on online about these uh, these various attacks. Some of them are, uh, you know, one of the ones I'm, I was reading about has been through one of these sort of brute force attacks where they just fire a whole lot of random passwords at the system until they, uh, you know, until they break in and and, and get past the security. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I guess they they probably vary in terms of how critical they are. But if if somebody gets hold of your credit card information, I think it is reasonably critical that yeah. they share that pretty quickly so that you know to be cautious. Exactly right? where I was coming from. So mm. what I reckon 24 hours, if my credit card details have been compromised, I would want to know as a consumer of that site that, that, that something had happened so I could cancel it because – how much money, you know, you, you don't want to be going through the whole process like you did, Skip, with Sony to get your credit cards reissued. and yeah. it's, a, it's a nightmare. I just think there needs to be some sort of 
The, the problem is that they might not know for a day, a week, or a month that they've been hacked until it gets back to them yeah. in some of these cases. So, yeah, you give them a 24-hour deadline, well, well, that's great, but what if it was a month ago that the hacking took place and they've already done any, any damage that they can do? But I'm sorry, I mean, if you're running a network which has payment services attached to it, um, you need to be proactive in monitoring that. If you see a whole bunch of credit card That's information true. going out yeah, the door, fly, flying out, you know, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's things you can do. You, you look at the normal traffic patterns, and all of a sudden there's a spike. You know something's happened that day. Now, this is a good thing about what Sony have done is they've turned around and they've actually put some of this stuff into place. They've said, right, we're improving our monitoring. We're going to do lots of new things to stop this from happening again. It just appears that gaming companies are becoming a bit cavalier with this information. So uh, Paul and I, again, as we were debating in the cafe today, so if you look at the last six weeks, we've obviously had some, um, let's just say, things. These, these sites have been violated. We've had Codemasters today. We've had Sony. We've had Nintendo. We've had uh, Gmail got violated to some extent. Um, we've had, Paul, what was the other ones we talked about today? Well, we, just mentioned, we just mentioned Epic. Epic. Yeah. Um, and there's two others in the top of my head. There was two other large organisations um, that got vi- Sony Movies as well. I think pretty much anything attached to Sony seemed to yeah. have been hacked. So these are all cloud-based platforms. Yeah. A lot of the stuff. And then this becomes, obviously, in the old days, the, the vector target or the target used to be your device that you were holding in your hand. Now all these cloud services are getting absolutely hammered. It's really interesting as everyone pushes us to go into the cloud that, you know, you know, for businesses or for home, whether you're using it for uh, Office 365 like we do here for the studio, or if you're looking to move into a full cloud model, whether it's Google Docs or Microsoft product. Well, or a, a lot anything. of people store so much information in in a Gmail or a Hotmail system. Uh, you know, others have got confidential uh, information stored with with Facebook, which you know we've certainly talked about in the past. Um, you know how easy it is to hack. Uh, you know Facebook for some of those. You know some some uh, some of those sorts of things that get get stored online. So yeah, there, there are a range of risks here, and I think it's important that um, you know that, that people are really cautious around what they store online. One, I think one of the things that can mitigate the risk is where information is stored separately. Like the the that most of these uh, hacking incidents that we've uh, that we've discussed are incidents where it appears the information is stored in one central repository, right? One one central repository where all the credit card information is stored. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to, to hearing more about online storage environments, and, and we know of some of these exist today, that are very much split into, um, you know, information silos. So one block of information is secured quite separately to the next block. So as long as you've got a really, really good password around yours, uh, you know, your bit of information, then you know that it's encrypted and all these other mechanisms are in place. But we don't hear that about a lot of systems. And things like credit card information tends to be stored centrally and without uh, those sort sort of mechanisms around them. Yeah, and I think if you, anyone that's going to consume any services online, whether it's Xbox, through your mail, through anything else, have, please have secure passwords. You still need antivirus software, even if you're running cloud services, and, and just be sensible with what you're putting up there at the moment. Things like, again, we might even have a discussion on one week on Facebook, I think, around the privacy, which seems to be a lot of people use for home and personal, but just, yeah, we cannot reiterate enough. Just be, be clever with what you're doing with the data up there. And... 
and also, you know, let let your uh, non-technical family members, those that don't listen to the show, you know, take some take some time to talk to them about about their security. And we we had uh, a message come through. I think it was from Twitter or or, or Facebook. From uh, uh, I might have been on the website uh, talking about the episode where, where we where we played the uh, recording uh, of the Indian call centre calling in and and, and trying to uh, take over somebody's computer. And they said uh, that they had exactly the same thing happen and they were able to follow some of the techniques they'd heard on the show and use their own initiative to, uh, you know, to stop that from happening. Uh, but, you know, they highlighted, look, this could have been a family member. You know, anyone can get hit with these uh, uh, these tricks. And some of them are, you know, the emails that come in and say, hey, please confirm your password or, you know, etc. But it can be a phone call uh, or it can just be, a, you know, somebody over the Internet trying to guess your password so you must not use a password that is you know just a, a word out of the dictionary oh yeah my password is my uh, maiden name or you know my password is my favorite uh, game or you know those, or those A1, sorts of things b2 c3 <laughs> d4 as i keep saying every week is not a secure password crusaders um, chiefs and blues are not good passwords either yeah or putting a one on the end of your password and the oh, i've secured it because it's more than just a word because it's got a it's got a, a number on the end there's so many passwords I could come up with right now, but a few CEOs would actually cringe because that would actually be their password. Let's move on. Yeah. Oh, oh, can we do open source news? Yep, please. Fire away. Let's okay. get into it. So Adobe has warned Android, Mac, PC, and I've got and Linux and Solaris users of a major security hole on all those platforms. Um, it's the version of Flash of this 10.3. This isn't open source news, by no, the way, but, but, but Brad, Brad's put it under that category. I have, because it's basically, it actually, they've um, re- they found it on um, the open source platform, on, on Linux. Oh, that's where they found it first. That's where they found it first, and they've actually found it's got it's actually in all versions of it. So some guys are doing some we'll hunting around. One. So that was that one there. Um, the Just other- say no to Flash, I reckon. Yeah. The, the other one that's quite cool, and I think you guys might quite this in, find this interesting, is that there's an open source project out at the moment where they're trying, they're, it allows you to run Android-based applications on iOS. I got it right. <laughs> so, that's pretty cool. So it, it, it basically will, um, it's almost like a virtualization wrapper to run Android-based applications on iOS. Now, it's open source, it's early. Right, but it's out there, and they're playing around with that at the moment. Research and Motion are doing that with the Playbook as well, aren't they? I think if I've got that right, um, that's, well, that's one be, of their, their ways of getting apps to to the Playbook uh, is by bringing um, is by bringing their Android app app support across. Yep, which I think is uh, yeah is, a, is is really innovative actually. So so the application's called In the Box, and um, it's made by a company called Bluestacks. So if you want to have a look at it, do some do go on online, do a Google or Bing search on it, and just have a bit of a play around. But it's quite nice to see the open source community sort of. Taking a different slant, rather than trying to put everything onto Android, actually trying to get it to work on iPhone. So I thought it was kind of cool. Or iOS, I should say. You've got a jailbreak, though, don't you? That I, I, I don't know at the moment. I, I can't see Apple letting that app through the store. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've got to find out a bit more. But I'll have a go of it, though. Yeah. But I thought that was kind of some good little bits and pieces from that side. No, that's cool. Um... Now, what else have we? Uh, what else have we got to cover off this week, guys? Uh, we've um, we've covered a fair bit of ground, actually. We're coming uh, coming to the end of the show. Oh, hardware! Can we talk about hardware, please, 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 please? Yes, please. we did have some hardware news to discuss. Yes. So HP have been very, very kind to me, and they've let me play around with their new micro server. Now, 
Um, the little micro server is probably uh, 10 inches tie by 10 inches long, actually. You know what it reminds me of? Those uh, shuttle PCs. Yes, it looks like a little shuttle PC, but it's actually got some of the innards of a bit of a server in there. So um, some colleagues of mine have actually put quite a bit of RAM into this machine and installed the Microsoft Hyper-V product, which allows you to virtualize, and you can actually run virtualization software on here. But it's really designed for small business server. That's what they've built it for. But this thing is... It's it's really really tiny. It's got your disk caddies at the front, so you can add hot do the di- hot swap the disks, and it's coming in. And I'm not sure on the pricing, so I'm not going to quote that. But it's coming in quite cheap into the market. Um, and I understand they're going to be doing some deals out there. And I'm actually testing one at home with small business server at the moment, and it handles the load really really nicely. And it's got the AMD um, quad. I think it's AMD quad core chip. Uh, dual core. Dual core. Thank you, dual core. Yeah. So, so, but one of the guys at work's got eight or 16 gig of RAM in the, in the thing and it just flies along. It's great. We, we actually have one of these uh, actually in production and it's doing a sort of simple uh, network attached storage concept. The only thing is with this, it actually only has a RAID 0 and a RAID 1 Card in it. Yeah, I mean, so. it's, it's very basic. I mean, you're talking about a device that, uh, you know, probably retails in the US for, you know, four or $500 uh, type, you know, type. Uh, price with a bit of storage in it and so on. Yeah. But you know you're n- you're not talking sort of full blown server drives and yeah. you know a high end CPU or you know a um, a redundant power supply and so on. It is a lower end device, but a great sort of thing to get started with at home or if you've just got you know a really specific uh, requirement that you just need to cover. Maybe you know testing something around the office. Then yeah. You know ideal in that scenario. But or, um, or a small business. Look, if you're a five user business. Yeah. And you wanted to get up and going, this would meet all your needs for very very low cost very very easy Poss- possibly <laughs> I think every, I mean every business is yeah. different right yeah. so you know I don't think there's a one size fits all in these sort of Spoken situations Spoken like a true business I reckon uh, but, but you know and I, I, what I think is it's a good sort of you know primarily a home device but you know hey um, maybe there are some businesses out there that would that would suit this yeah so the other one I got to play with, which I had to return yesterday, but Paul, you got to have a little go with it on Friday night, was we got a um, a rug a a tablet device um, by a company called Motion. Now this is a rugged based Windows Seven tablet device that they're using in hospitals at the moment. Um, I didn't want to test this, but we were told by the people that were there that you can actually drop it from seven foot, and they've actually done it in a demo, and everything keeps running fine. And it actually had a nice feel to it. They had put a uh, motion had put a skin across the top of it, which I found personally a little bit ugly once I got going. But to you, I used it in the evening. It had it's still the point and click Microsoft OS on top of it. It's not Windows eight, which I really wanted. Um, but it was it was a, it was a nice feel. It look it's not an iPad, but it's obviously a more business type device. What did yeah. you think, Paul? Yeah, no, it was it was quite cool. Um, motion computing have been making these uh, tablets for a very long time, and so they've been around longer than the iPad and 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 so on, and and you know in various sort of shapes and sizes. And I think where they're most common tends to be in the uh, you know medical profession uh, for you know uh, professional devices that maybe uh, you know used out in the in the field for. Uh, 
uh, you know, could be uh, builders and architects and, and people like that that are getting about to inspect stuff. Yeah. Um, I've talked to people within uh, the likes of the uh, local councils who have to go around and, you know, and, uh, and, and do a lot of things sort of outdoors. These types of devices are great for that because they run windows and these organisations tend to use windows. Yeah. No, so and those nice. sort of situations are great. You know, you've got a pen or a finger touch with the with the newest ones. Um, so you have got that flexibility to do either. Um, but in terms of being a direct sort of compete consumer device competing uh, with the iPad, I, or I, the I, other, or the other Android devices, or, or the yep, or the other Android devices that are coming through, I don't think it's in that same space. No. And that and that's really where we're looking at this next generation of uh, of Windows based devices. Now, one of the things that we were going to chat about, but we'll hold off till next week, is the new AMD chip that's being uh, being announced this week. Oh yeah, uh, w- which is aimed at that tablet space, and you know, as we learn more about the Windows 8 platform in terms of how it moves in there. So Windows 7 today, I don't think you know, delivers that sort of small, light, thin, uh, consumer-oriented. Um, well, sorry, iOS and and Android deliver that today. Windows 8, I think we're looking forward to see how to deliver in that space in the future as well as covering the business space. Um, but, yeah, yeah. no, quite, a, quite an interesting device. But it definitely I noticed the weight being, yeah. you know, being a lot heavier than my iPad. Oh, look, it's not an iPad. I, I would not put it as an iPad compete. It was, you know, a centimetre thick. It, was, it just didn't have the look. Of, it's a rugged device, right? But it was at home. It was nice to use. Uh, again, it's Windows 8, um, new world. We need to wait and see what goes on. Absolutely. There is only one thing you need to do to test these devices. What's that? Does it run Angry Birds? It did. Well, it's all it's needed. Yeah, it did. It ran. Um, it ran Safari. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know how you uh, how you compare technology. Skip. Skip, Skip doesn't do performance. He just does Angry Bird tests. If it plays Angry Birds and can keep you occupied for hours playing Angry Birds and gets on the web, what else is there, right? Yeah. Fair enough too. Yep. All right. Well, that that's uh, that's uh, I think that's us for this week. Apps of the week. You want to do one? You've got anything? I've got I've actually got two. One of them's really sad that you're going to laugh at, and the other one's quite cool. Okay. No, we're running out of time, but okay. uh, but let, let, let's uh, let's jump in okay, and, cool. and, and cover those. Okay. So Windows Phone Seven app of the week. Um, a lot of the other platforms have got really good sat nav software when you're going around in your car and you get that nice voice con- um, control. Um, I've just found one called GPS Voice Navigation, and it is really really nice. There's a really good trial that you can download. Um, or you can buy it online, um, and I installed it and used it here, um, and it was great. The other iPad ad I, app I have now, this is going to cause it. Now, who remembers the Smurfs? You've all gone quiet. You all do. <laughs> no one's admitting to that. So, okay, I remember Smurfs. So there is a Smurf game that you can get for your iPad that is highly addictive, and I have to admit that I've been playing it a bit, and it is brilliant. You, you realise so it's tying into the Smurf movie that's coming up at the end of the Of course. Year. No, you actually so. go off and view it. But the game itself is fantastic. Very addictive game. Um, and it runs really, really nicely. Um, and I'll show you afterwards. But th- I've been playing that quite a bit just on my iPad. <laughs> and I'm really addicted to it. It's the new benchmark, the Smurfs game. It is. <laughs> now, there, there's one more, um, one more iPad app. We've actually talked about it in the future. Uh, sorry, in the past. <laughs> Where, where's my head at? Uh, it's in the future somewhere. <laughs> don't worry about it. We'll cover it tomorrow. It's in yeah. the cloud. Uh, <laughs> it's in the cloud. Um, and I don't know if you guys have been using this, but it's um, it's it's Zite, which is you know one of these one of these apps that brings together you know content from a whole range of sources into um, a really nice, easily readable and, and browsable sort of format. 
So, you know, it's just great being able to get access to all these feeds of information. And, uh, you know, it's like a magazine-type view of information pulled in from a whole range of sources. It's similar in many ways to Flipboard, uh, but but it, but it operates quite differently in terms of you choose the various, um, you know, topics and, and so on that you're interested in. And, you know, it then it then builds those up based on, um, you know, based on a range of sources. Very cool. Sounds nice. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't had a look at that, um, one worth checking out. Um, what I would like to say is for Android users out there, if you've come across um, something of, of that ilk, I haven't seen anything like that yet on Android. Uh, so we'd definitely be keen if you want to uh, hit us up with some comments on nztechpodcast.com or uh, drop us a message through Twitter or up on uh, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. Cool. I think we're getting the time up from Skip. He's trying to wrap us up here. All right, that's us. Have a great week, and we'll catch you for the next episode of the NZ Tech Podcast. Cool. See you later. Bye. Bye now. 